everybody. I'm Noelle. And I'm Jenna. And this is More Than Murder, where we delve into everything eerie with a side of true crime. More Than Murder is not your typical true crime podcast. Join us on a weekly tour through the haunted, the bloody, the creepy, and the nutty on our Freaky Fridays. (laughs) So, some exciting things. Yes. Yeah, we are officially on pretty much every podcast listening app. The major, major ones. The majors. We are, which this sounds weird, we are on Tumblr. <laughs> we are about to be on YouTube ooh, with ooh. some cool things there. We're going to um, upload the episodes so that you'll be able to listen to them there. You'll just have a static image. But... After that, we're going to be creating some videos, maybe doing some cool lives on YouTube. Who knows? We got some ideas. To bring you the content. To bring some different content. So we're really excited. What do we got today? Today, we have a story that, um, well, let me just commemorate because it's my first actual total true crime episode. Awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah. The first one was like a half and half with the with um, Carl. Oh, yes. So yes. it was like haunted and spooky, but yep. also with him. So first total true crime. And um, I'm going to be going back to the 70s in Pennsylvania and talking about the Reinert murders. Sorry about that. I, th- I believe it's Reinert murders. And they are also known as the mainline murders. I'm not exactly sure why they ended up being called the mainline murders. Anyways, this is kind of a bizarre case with several random characters involved. I love the bizarre ones. Yes. um, Several authors have written books, and uh, there was a miniseries that that was, like, made-for-TV movie that came out of this case. favorite! I love those made-for-TV movies. Yes, it was called Echo of Darkness, and I believe that's what the book was called as well. The book was by Joseph Wambaugh, which was what the miniseries was made out of. But there's like a ton, which I I list at the very end, not a ton, but like five other books written by other people about this case. Quite a bit like of literature on a case. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. So this is a case that I do not believe either of us have heard of. No. So that was pretty cool. That that is really cool. I was able to learn something new and we'll be able to teach you something new. I know. And the crappy part is that it's still considered partially unresolved, which I absolutely hate unsolved cases. Mm -hmm. They drive me nuts. I want to solve them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Jen and I have talked about if we could be volunteer, like, cold case workers, we totally would. I would volunteer my time to investigate cold cases. Give me all the docs and the evidence and let me just delve right in. But I did find an awesome resource that lists a ton of unsolved cases. So there may be many more in our future. Here goes this one. I'm ready. All right. All right. So the story, the story goes, the story starts with Susan Gallagher. She was born in northern Pennsylvania in 1942 in a small town called Ridgeway, and her parents had super regular jobs. Her mom was a teacher and her dad was a business manager for a newspaper. As a young girl, Susan had aspirations of being just like her mom and becoming a school teacher as well. Once she became a college age, that's what she decided to go to school for. She started working towards an English degree at Grove City College. From what I can uh, what I can tell is that she attended Grove City all the way through her bachelor's degree before moving to Penn State in 1966. 
So while she was attending Grove City College still, she met her future husband, Kenneth Raynert. Raynert at the time was enlisted in the U.S. Um, Air Force. Uh, the two of them dated as undergrads throughout the rest of Susan's education until 1965 when Susan would graduate from Grove City and then they decided to get married and she became Susan Raynert. So it's the Raynert murders or the mainline murders. All right. So it sounds like a super normal relationship, meeting at school, dating, getting married, so on and so forth. Oh, yeah. As many military families do, the couple began moving around to different bases around the country. Yep. They first moved to Sacramento in California, Rome, New York, and even did a stint in Puerto Rico for a short time. Despite all their moving, Susan became, um, yep, Susan became an well-known, no, Susan became a well-known English teacher <laughs> wherever they were based. And in 1968, she birthed their first child, Karen, and in 1969, a year later, along came their second child, Michael. Ooh, quick. So, yes, you have Kenneth, the father, Susan, the mother, and then Karen and Michael were the children. All right. In 1971, they were finally able to put down their roots back in their home state of Pennsylvania, and I think it was only like 20 miles or so from Philly. Oh. Once 1971 hit, and they and the kids had set down their roots. Mm-hmm. Susan became a teacher at the Upper Marion High School, just as she desired and studied to be, just as her mom was. Mm-hmm. So she was finally able to settle down with one school and just be the teacher there. And although Susan and Kenneth seemed happy, apparently they were discovering they just simply weren't a good fit for each other. Mm-hmm. It happened. I hadn't read about any wrongdoings or misconduct but in 1974 when their youngest child michael was five they decided to separate just fell out of love yeah you know they just yeah maybe it was just a quick thing maybe they enjoyed traveling together and then when they were settled down maybe Mm -hmm. that's not yeah who knows so the divorce wouldn't become final until 1976 and again that too was amicable from the accounts that i've read Susan had the children the majority of the time, with Kenneth having them on the occasional holiday and every other weekend. So, obviously, Susan and the kids, they decided to move to their own house, which she remained a dedicated mother and school teacher still at Upper Marion, where she worked all the way up through 1979. So, I think she worked there for about eight years. Oh, okay. Um, but it's nice that when she, was, when she moved, she was still able to go to, like, the same school. Yeah, for real. According to all accounts, she was quite loved by faculty and the students. She was just a genuinely kind person who never caused any trouble or harmed anyone's feelings and just minded her own business, it seemed. She even created a filmmaking class at the school that she herself taught from her own love of the art. And she just volunteered her time and supervised many different school clubs and groups as well. And just involved with the school and her students. That's just oh, how much she, you know, she cared passion. about. Yeah, she just cared about the students. Uh, speaking of being adored by faculty, Susan began dating one of her fellow co-workers, who was also an English teacher, William mm-hmm. Bradford. Susan actually began seeing Bradford in 1974, just before oh. officially divorcing from Kenneth. Okay. And that may have been what actually caused the official divorce. So it wasn't like a monotony. It was like, oh, I'm I'm, yeah. kind of cozy with another teacher at the school. But it didn't seem like there was any hate because of it. It was just like, okay. I mean, this is the 70s. You got to remember. Well, he might not have even known. Until 
after. Who knows? Yeah, like yeah. he might have just thought, oh, now she's in a relationship with someone else, yeah. you know, and it's a normal thing. Well, they did try to keep it on the DL. Like, that's what that teacher was about. I'll get into that in a second. Oh, lordy. So, according to an article from Twisted Philly, Bradfield, who is the new boyfriend, mm-hmm. so William Bradfield, he was eloquent, well-educated, charming, and a Lothario. Oh, gosh. Dictionary time. According <laughs> to Oxford Languages, a Lothario, mm-hmm. L-O-T-H-A-R-I-O, is a man who behaves selfishly and irresponsibly in his sexual relationships with women. So... Can I tell you a funny story really quick? Absolute. So, there's literally a pre-made Sims character, and his name is Don Lothario. Lothario. Wow. Literally. That's grand. Yeah. (laughs) And he's, like, the first guy you'll meet, and he's in, like, this backwards cap, and he's just douchey. Oh, my God. It's amazing. So, I'm glad. (laughs) I I liked that That, that little English portion. I'm glad. Um, Yeah, so, after learning this definition... It was not surprising to me that Bradfield was also in another relationship with a woman Uh, for, like, quite a while, who was also another English teacher from the same fucking school. Oh, my god! So, you'll find throughout the story that we have a group of English teachers from the same school. They have, like, a little English teacher club, kind of. It's, like, weird. Isn't okay. there a saying, like, you don't shit where you eat, eat? or something like that? Like, come on. I don't know, man. I don't. <laughs> You're going to get caught sooner or later. Well, Susan already knew. She was, was she okay with, like, okay with it? No. Okay. He convinced her, till as old as, as old as time, that he was going to end his relationship so he could remain with Susan. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yes. What Susan didn't know is that... Not only did he have that English teacher, but he also had several other women that he would casually see at the same time as well, being a Lothario. Yeah, he's a Lothario. So, that is Bradfield. Great guy. Terrific. Despite the knowledge of the longtime girlfriend, Susan continued to see Bradfield, but they managed to keep the relationship a secret for the most part. She apparently believed that he was like, gonna be her fiance or was like now his fiance i guess there were times that maybe they had talked about marriage and stuff and yeah and he might have been you know given her false like well when you say i'm gonna leave my my longtime girlfriend so that i can Mm -hmm. be with you forever i'm Uh gonna marry you you know and he might have even one night just been like oh you know marry me yeah so ever since divorcing divorcing (laughs) divorcing (laughs) From her first husband and the father of her children, Susan had been a member of an organization called Parents Without Partners. She was supposed to be speaking at some sort of conference there on a weekend. Okay. It's said that investigators found out that when she was trying to find someone to replace her for speaking at the event, and she tried to cancel. For some reason, she tried to cancel. Huh. So on, let's see, this, this was supposed to be taking place on Saturday, June 23rd. And Friday evening in June on the 22nd, this was in 1979, she and the kids packed into her orange, keep this in mind, orange Plymouth Horizon hatchback and headed out. Okay. The conference, like I said, wasn't until Saturday morning. It's rumored that she and the kids may have went to Bradfield's house 
but that was not all across the board. Maybe she had gone there to spend the night. I don't know. So no one really knew where. So, yeah, unfortunately, Susan never made it to the convention and was never seen alive again after that Friday. Mm. The kids were also never seen again, either, like, alive or deceased. So they just, they were never found. These kids are never found. So what the hell happened? Yeah. Right? Like, all of a sudden, it goes from hunky-dory and everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, she's going to go to this conference, and nobody sees her again. Oh, God. Or the children. So it's like, okay, that was a, like, quick turn of events. Yep, yep. So. They're one day gone the next. Yes. On June 25th, 1979, three days after that Friday night, so it would have been Monday, Mm -hmm. a man cutting through a parking lot in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, saw what he thought was an abandoned car parked with its trunk left open. Naturally, the man went over to look inside of the abandoned orange Plymouth Horizon hatchback. Oh, boy. To his absolute shock and horror... There he found the body of Susan Raynert, or Susan Gallagher. She's now divorced, so. Yeah. Um, but they report, like, the They Rainerts. call her, yeah, yeah. They, they report it as the Raynerts. Oh, my gosh, his picture. Yes. Oh. He called 911 as soon as he possibly could, being that there are no cell phones. It's 1979. Mm-hmm. And reported mm-hmm. that he had found, quote, a sick woman in the trunk of an abandoned car, which, that's just fucking weird. She's yeah. clearly not sick. She's clearly, clearly deceased. Dead. Very much so. Like and you you're going to te- say, like, oh my God. That. It's a sick woman. It's a sick. There's a sick woman. Like. It just uh, doesn't make any sense. No. So, there's that. When law enforcement and paramedics showed up, they found Susan naked and chained up in the trunk of her car, and her body was very heavily bruised and beaten. Aww. Lady. Yeah. Um, her children were nowhere in sight and nowhere to be found. And at this time, Karen was 11 and Michael was 10. So I'm just going to go ahead and get into the suspects and the investigation because okay. it's just so strange. You have this happy lady enjoying her, seemingly enjoying her life or whatever's going yep. on. Yep. And then all of a sudden she's Oof. in the car of her, or in the trunk yeah. of her car. And the kids are just gone. gone. The kids just are gone. gone. And that's. All we know until you get into the investigation. And she was very, like, she was brutalized. Yeah, yeah. It's not like she was placed in there night. It looks like she was just chucked in there. And they and just left the trunk open, too. Like, they didn't try to, like, no, hide super, anything. Yeah, super That weird. is really strange. Okay, let's... Let's begin let's the investigation. begin the twisted tale. Investigators discovered that when Susan left Friday night, she was supposed to be going to a hotel near Allentown where she was giving the speech. The hotel was the George Washington Motor Lodge. That's where she was supposed to be going. Okay. Instead, her car with her body in the trunk were found in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at the Host Inn Motel parking lot. Huh. So, like, just a completely different town in a completely different motel parking lot. So some strange info the investigators found out that makes the whole thing even more confusing. As I said before, Susan tried to cancel her appearance at the convention yeah. for that morning, that Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so why would she even be driving that way? Well, uh, or, we'll get into that too. We'll, oh gosh. So that's one of the only things that's answered. I don't think that she was able to 
have somebody replace her at the com- convention. So oh, okay. She told whoever whoever she was talking to that she had an appointment on Friday that might make her late or delayed. Nobody knows what that's about. It doesn't appear that she was able to cancel because the venue marked her as a no-show for the convention. Okay. So I'm wondering if maybe nobody was able to replace her and they're like, could you please just try to get here? Well, yeah, if she's calling so close to something that's probably been planned, she already is is has a room. This gets stranger. She even called the George Washington Motor Lodge where she was supposed to be staying and canceled her stay there as well for Friday night. So where she, was she going? Even though she packed her kids up. Right. So that's why people are like, did she spend the night at her boyfriend's? Did they go see the dad? Like, And that has to be what's hard to solve because you have that missing, that large missing piece of where was she going? What was she doing? Yeah. Was this planned? Like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The weirder thing is that they found out she was canceling these things in the middle of the week. So it wasn't like she called Friday and was like, I can't come. Or Yeah. It was like she, she was planning to not go. Uh-huh. But then she left somewhere. And With let me kids. warn you, not all these questions are answered. An unsolved case oh, yeah. sucks. I believe Like, they it. are not oh. answered. There are loose ends, okay? No, I don't like the loose <laughs> I ends. I don't either. Investigators searched for the children who clearly were not in the car. They questioned their babysitters, visited places they thought they could be, but there is no trace. Like, not a single trace of where those kids went. Yeah, it's not like the kids got away and, like, ran, like, oh, let's go somewhere where we might know somebody. Right. Or or, or maybe mom had dropped them off at a babysitter's yep. before going to her boyfriend's or wherever, wherever the F she went. Like, now, I don't know, did they find luggage or anything like that in the, like, where they packed up? I don't think so. They, they, they didn't say anything weird was found. Okay. From what I saw, she just packed the kids into the car and went. Okay, just a normal outing. It wasn't like, like they were going somewhere. Yeah. Okay. At this point, because there were several, several locations in PA that she was supposed to be and where she was actually found, there were several departments involved in the case, of course. So there was yeah. the PA state troopers. <sighs> Jurisdiction. Troopers from a Belmont barracks. And then other detectives and officers from around the Philadelphia area. Oh, my God. So it's always hard to get stuff done when it's, like, different departments. And across different jurisdiction lines. uh And and then back in the day, it's even, like, you know, things are slower and and to get the information to those places. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So doomed from the start. Yeah. Doomed from the very start. So, of course, there was an autopsy performed on Susan by a Dr. Bush in Dauphin County. Due to Susan having a covering of duct tape over her mouth, the examiner could not be positive if it was a suffocation or strangulation, but the cause of her death was definitely Susan being unable to breathe no. in some way. Yeah. Um, they don't They don't know if it was like, because she was already beaten. They don't uh-huh. know if it was her being choked or maybe somebody literally just plugged her nose while she had duct tape on yep. her face. Yep. So, oh, you just don't gosh. know. Oh my gosh, sounds like a brutal way to go. I know, and there's still yet another question that would not be able to be answered for this woman. Yep. So he also concluded that her body had, when it had been found, she was dead for approximately 24 hours. So the anonymous caller reported her on Monday around 5.30 a.m., and Dr. Bush said she had died between 12.15 and 6.15 a.m. on Sunday morning. How did nobody find that vehicle? Maybe it wasn't there yet. I don't know. True, true. That's very they true. They could have done it and then put it there Monday morning or I something. I wonder, overnight. too, like, the anonymous caller. 
Yeah, we don't even know anything much more about him. Yeah, maybe he did it or that person did it. Yeah, I found her was. sick in the car. Yeah, because like, that's a weird so thing weird. to say. And then you're, I'm anonymous. Yeah. Like, and then gone. He probably wasn't at the scene when they arrived. Yeah. No, so. I don't think he was. Oh, from no. From what I can no. tell. Um, he pieced the F out of there. He was like, I did this, but here you go. Yeah, it's just... It's just, there's nothing... She ha- didn't go to the con. So she went from Friday, Friday night, Saturday night, to Sunday, Sunday morning. Night. Or, yeah. And didn't die until Sunday morning. So what was happening to this poor woman? Well, she was beaten. She was getting bruised. tortured. Yep. Where yep. are these kids? Yeah, oh, where are these kids? God. It's just, it's... God. This so... Is, this is a spiral case for sure. Yeah, it really is. Like I said, it's just... the. It wasn't even, like, the murder... That took so long to research in this case. It was the craziness surrounding it. Uh-huh. Like, okay, so there's the summary of the timeline. She was last seen on Friday. Canceled her hotel for that night. No showed for her appearance on sun, uh, Saturday morning. Was murdered at some point between 12.15 and 6.15 a.m. Sunday morning. And then was found in the trunk on Monday morning around 5.30 a.m. Just so we all... Can remember that because there's so what much. What the fuck? Yeah. Months after the examination of Susan's body, months. Don't know why. Yeah. You did this autopsy. Yeah. Why months later? <laughs> Again, it's the seventies. Stuff yes, might move slower. Yes, that's true. It that was true. declared that the examiner found like super high doses of morphine in her system. Hmm. So high that a state official reported to the Philadelphia Daily News that quote. The morphine itself could have killed her ten times over. Oh, my. My only hope is that she was already unconscious from the morphine before any of the beatings or actual death occurred. Investigators checked with the hotel staff, and they confirmed that neither Susan or the kids stayed there that night. Investigators also couldn't find some of Susan's belongings that she needed for every day, like her glasses, because mm-hmm. she, and if you look at her pictures on the picture docs, you'll yeah. see that she did wear glasses. Yep. She, those were for everyday wear. They weren't like, they clearly were not reading glasses. We know what that's like. If if you find us and we don't have our glasses. Or or if you just find our glasses and we're missing, there's something something's wrong. wrong. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> we can't drive without our glasses, so, yeah. Uh, Can hardly walk. You know. She also did not have with her her purse or her clothing. So, like I said, she was mm-hmm. naked, but the clothes were not in the car. Huh. The clothes were missing. Her purse was missing, and her eyeglasses were missing. She was definitely taken somewhere. Yeah, something. Or the, they took it off of her before leaving. Who knows why? Maybe they got their evidence on those things. Or maybe before they beat her, they tore the clothes and threw them in the garbage. Because maybe they ripped them off. Who knows? It's all sorts of awful things that could be. Awful. Oddly enough... They found a rubber dildo in the car under the passenger seat. As far as I'm aware, there is no evidence of sexual assault, but it's clear that Susan wouldn't just be driving around with, like, a rubber dildo in her car. What? It's just bizarre. bizarre. Okay, this is just bizarre. Now, keep this in mind. They found, also, the this bizarre thing, a blue hair comb, which embossed on it was the symbol of the Army Reserves. Hmm. So, yeah, just keep in mind the blue comb with the symbol of the Army Reserves. 
All right, so they weren't finding any evidence and it was frustrating and confusing, just as it's been frustrating and confusing for all of us. I bet. The only shred of evidence they found was a partial fingerprint on her body, which at the time wasn't enough. Yeah. Now it was time for the investigators to look into some suspects. William Bradfield seemed to have a pretty solid alibi that it, uh, was able to be corroborated okay. at the time. He was in New Jersey at Cape May throughout the entire weekend with two other educators from the school, <laughs> a male and female who um, were also English teachers. Oh, boy. And I guess they also lived in the same apartment complex as Bradfield. I don't introduce the guy, though he does kind of come in at the end, but not okay. really too much. I just, I don't mention his name. I'll just call him the male educator. This Bradfield guy looks... He's super suspicious. Yeah. Like, he's just weird. I don't know. So the female was Susan Myers, and she didn't just live in the same apartment complex as Bradfield. She actually lived with Bradfield in his actual apartment. I'm guessing huh. this was the teacher he was seeing before he started seeing Susan. Yeah, yeah. That's my supposition. Okay. So... Myers and Susan Rayner obviously did not like each other, and apparently there was a fight that broke out between the two of them in the teacher's lounge in 1977 because of the love triangle. So it definitely, I believe, is that Drama! And both their names are Susan. So, the Susans. (laughs) Both English teachers. Yes. Susan's ex-husband, Kenneth Raynard, and the father of the children, Karen and Michael, still communicated and continued to co-parent the kids after the divorce. So he was eliminated as a suspect early on. He had no motive to mm-hmm. do such a thing. He and his ex, as I said, were in pretty good terms. Um, he was financially stable. He had remarried, and his new wife had recently birthed their son. So it was just kind of out of the question for Ke- for Kenneth. He yeah. actually was the one who ended up identifying her body. Oh, poor and, Kenneth, man. Yeah. And he actually, even though he was remarried, he, end- he ends up, he and Susan's brother being the biggest advocates for getting courts moving on, like, what's yeah, going on yeah. and suing and all this stuff. So he did still care about Susan. The rest of her family lived out near Pittsburgh and were also quickly ruled out because they just had, they weren't anywhere near it. Near the case of all. About a month after the investigation started, they finally found what could possibly be a motive. Thanks to Susan's ex-husband and her brother, Patrick, a caveat was filed to stop the processing of her will until the two men had a chance to review it. Yeah, smart. And what do you know? Her will was recently changed. Recently, as in just a few weeks before her death. Whoa, that's super suspicious. She also had taken out some pretty hefty life insurance policies, which, I mean, pretty hefty is like thousands and thousands. Oh, yeah. I believe it. And guess who was named as her beneficiary? William Bradfield, whom she knew, like, referred to as her future husband. This was all a ploy. Bradfield was 46 at the time, and we knew we know he's an English teacher at the Upper Marion High School. He worked there for 12 years, having started there in 1963. So Susan came in in 1971 mm-hmm. to work there. He's been working there for like established a lot longer yeah. than Susan. He became pretty tight with J.C. Smith, who was the principal at the school. 
like almost all of Bradfield's relationships, the two of them, for some reason, tried to keep their friendship a secret. Don't know why. Weird. Super strange. This guy looks... This is odd behavior. Ooh, that is odd behavior. This is all odd behavior. All odd behavior. Definition of odd behavior. Once Susan began working at the same school, her and uh, Bradfield then began dating in 1974. So three years after she started there, Mm -hmm. they started dating. Just, again, (laughs) before separating from Raynert. And they were together until her death in 1979. But as we said before, he wasn't faithful at all to Susan, and Susan was even, you know, the other woman to the teachers at school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just... What a fucked up... Super, super strange Situation. Oh my god. (laughs) That's great. Now, let it be known that Susan used to have her children listed as the beneficiaries of her will, life insurance policies, and assets. Mm -hmm. But now all of that, plus... Susan's inheritance from her mother's death, which was not too long ago, is now to go to William Bradfield if Susan were to die. She had two separate life insurance policies, which totaled $660,000. Oh, my. Plus the $230,000 in inheritance and property from her mother's death. And now all of that would go to Bradfield. It's a lot of money in the 70s. That's going on a mill soon. I mean, no, like, that's a lot of money now. But yeah. Imagine, like, in t- oh, yeah. boy. So, obviously, this ra- raised huge red flags for the investigators, and Bradfield quickly became a suspect again, despite his corroborated alibi. Lord. But who was he at this place with? Who corroborated his yeah. set and story? Mm-hmm. The woman he is sleeping with. Yep, yep. You Can't know? really. So, it's like. Probably okay. in it together. Yeah, who knows? Because all those English teachers were in it together. Yeah, it's like super culty. It's like the cult of English teachers, you know? No, thank you. And they, like, all revolve around William Bradfield, which, if you look at our pictures, he's not, like, that striking. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, it turns out that Bradfield left to take some classes in New Mexico the same day that Susan's body was found. And he flew out to Santa Fe at like 10 p.m. that night. That is so suspicious. So suspicious. I don't think you can get more. No. So uh, now I'm going to introduce J.C. Smith, who I view as a very random character. This is, of course, like I said, the principal who Bradfield became friendly with, but the relationship was on the D.L., Anyway, he used to be a colonel in the Army Reserves and was described as kind of antisocial. He didn't get close to anyone, literally or figuratively, keeping physical distances from other people and never talking about personal things or speaking much with, like, anyone at all. So he was kind of just like a a recluse. That's odd behavior. Very odd behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Later, Jay Smith happened to be the principal, of course, of Upper Marion High School And he'd worked there for 12 years, much like Bradford, before transferring out in 1978, a year before Susan was murdered, due to legal issues he was facing. Oh. Obviously, Susan also knew Jay because she taught at the same school. Mm -hmm. Also in the 70s, Smith's daughter, Stephanie, and her husband, Eddie, both went missing and were never, ever seen again, dead or alive as well. Whoa. Like, WTF, man. 
So now yeah. two sets of children have just gone missing. Gone. Poof. Gone missing. There were rumors that Stephanie and Eddie had some issues with drug use, but still, I would I would classify that as going missing. Like, if it was a problem due to ingesting the drugs, it would have happened right where they were. But it literally seems like they were taken somewhere. Yeah, just gone. And put somewhere, yeah. like never seen again. So I don't think, I personally don't think it was drug related that when they went missing. Mm-hmm. I think something else happened. Um, when they went missing, it was around 1978 after he was transferred out of that school okay. and was getting into trouble. Huh. And of course, neither of them left a trace or were ever found again like Susan's kids. Oh my gosh. In 1978, that's when, like I said, Jay Smith was transferred out of the school district and facing legal issues. His son-in-law and daughter went missing without a trace. And then, to top it all, on August 19th, he was found with two loaded pistols trying to break into someone's car. And this was in the parking lot of a shopping mall. Um, this guy isn't, like, young. No. He's, like, an older dude. I know. And he's breaking into cars with guns? You gotta wonder what he did before he even became a principal. I like, know. Was he an okay person to have, like, in did charge they, of children? Do not background check in the 70s. Oh, no. Oh, no, he's a Christ. colonel. This is great. Yeah. Guys, okay. he's a work. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, he was arrested for that. When the cops searched his car, they found a variety of narcotics. So, keep in mind, I feel like morphine. Is oh, that a narcotic? I don't know. I don't know, actually. I don't know enough about drugs to know that. I don't either. <laughs> Bolt cutters and two more pistols. Jeez. This led to them obtaining a warrant to search his house. They want to be like, well, what the fuck did you steal? They want to really get him. Yeah. You know, like, mean, we're going to get you with everything we can. Yeah. And let me tell you, they found some crazy shit. Oh, gosh. Here we go. More guns and ammo, because you can just never get enough. No, just can't ever get enough. They found weed and loads of illegal prescription drugs. I say illegal because they were not prescribed to him. Wonderful. And books um, and reference material on, can you guess? Can you guess? Murder? Bestiality. Oh. Bestiality. Yeah, so Ew. I read in this particular article, according to the Why? Associated Press, that Smith wanted to turn dogs into, quote, sex surrogates. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no, that's dogs. why. No, uh. Poor dogs. <coughs> that's revolting. So just keep all that weirdness in mind. Like, he's just, this guy's fucking weird. <laughs> I'd say. So they also found a security guard uniform. This is important because apparently years prior, meaning... While he was still teaching. Principling. Yeah. Principling, that's right. Is that even... (laughs) That's the new word for it. Principling. Principling. (laughs) Um, There was a guy pretending to be a Brink security dude and had a string of robberies and like tens of thousands of dollars from armored vehicles. Oh my God. Yeah. So who knows what happened with all that money. Guy's a badass, isn't he? So, obviously, they took him to court for the drug charges. Um, They couldn't really prove anything with the Brink costume or uniform, I should say, but obviously... They couldn't find the exact stuff that was stolen, of course. So, uh, when he went to court, they actually had his friend, William Bradfield, testify for him. Of course. Of course. Of course. 
So they are just besties. Besties. So here we go. Along came June 25th, 1979, when Susan's body was discovered. Mm -hmm. And that very same day, Smith surrendered himself to the state so that he could commence his prison sentence of two to five years for the drug charges. And this was only about five hours after Susan was found. Suspicious. Are you joking? Super suspicious. Um, no, they both just up and one, leave. one fucking submitted himself to prison and across one across the country. <laughs> yeah. Good. Oh my gosh. So that's where we are. Lovely pair. So as you just, we just reiterated, William Bradfield, good old Will, good old <laughs> Bill, Bill Bradford. He leaves the state the night season was discovered. Jay Smith surrenders himself earlier in the day, mm-hmm, mo- mm-hmm. like sooner than Bradfield leaving mm-hmm. to prison. And Jay also surrendered himself in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, oh. some miles away from where Sue was discovered. <gasps> He's already in Harrisburg. Already in Harrisburg. Oh my gosh. Which was where he needed to go, so it's like opportune. Whoa. Yeah. Huh. All right. Prime suspect. So they're realizing, you know, they see that William Bradfield is his friend mm-hmm. because he testified for him for the drug charge. The only person they because don't this know. guy has no other friends at all. Yeah, right. But Very they don't true. know yet. I mean, that was pre-Susan perishing. Yes. So yeah, they, true. So... Uh, when he surrendered himself, he was again questioned, and investigators started asking him kind of like where he was that weekend before he turned himself in, mm-hmm. and he couldn't say or provide a solid alibi as like what he was doing. Hmm. So, which honestly, I realized that I couldn't prove, and I'm like always at home watching TV. <laughs> I mean, but my husband being there, yeah, yeah, it's like Sean could corroborate for me. Gustavo yeah, but still, could. come on. Who believes husbands and corroborate? Like, duh, obviously they would probably stick up for us. Well, quite honestly, right now they can track our little cellular devices. Yeah. And show that my ass is in Cohocton. I know. Every single night. Every day. With my husband's doors are locked. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Creepers. The creepers. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Unfortunately, there is really nothing else to connect him to Susan's case. Until... They re-examined what they found in Susan's car in that blue hair comb. Mm. The hair comb that was embossed with the symbol of the Army Reserves. Okay. That's when they started putting connections together because if we remember, Jay Smith was a colonel in the 79th Army Reserves Command. Mm-hmm. And that was the same symbol on the comb. And has a luscious head of hair. Yes, his luscious, luscious hair. Let me just click up my picture doc so I can remember (laughs) here. Uh, Those luscious locks. Yeah. Those luscious sideburns. Jesus. God. The chops. Them chaps. Them muttons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. So, yeah, that's really suspicious, and I, I that's my prime suspect. It's hard. It's hard. It They're is all hard. I say him and Bradfield speaking. are probably top in my book. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. So he was already like a year or so into his prison sentence, and they also tried to get in touch with his old friend William Bradfield in New Mexico in mm-hmm. 1979 when he was doing this. So he was not cooperative and only spoke through his lawyers. Bradfield okay. in New Mexico, he was hmm. not cooperative. Side note, 
I guess fellow co-workers and friends of Smith called him the Prince of Darkness because of his armed robberies, drug use, and sus- they, they, I think, suspected him to be the murderer of Susan. Okay. I don't know why. But there was also the bestiality thing and mm-hmm. various wild accusations that Smith and other educators at the school... English teachers. English teachers, to be exact... Um, participated in satanic occult stuff. These people said, like, sacrifices and stuff. Huh. Okay, so first you have a bunch of English teachers. Weird, orgy English like, teachers. Yeah, they're, like, sharing always together. Just, it seems like they would be having It's like orgies. they only hang out. It's like the history teachers only hang out, the English yeah. teachers only hang out, PE only. Like, that doesn't actually happen. Yeah, super Apparently it strange. does under this weird principle. Upper Marion High School, right? In the 70s. Don't go to that one in the 70s. Don't go to any schools in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, I mean, they could have sacrificed the children. Because they just disappeared. Yeah. I mean, both sets of kids, whether they're 40 years uh-huh. old or 11 and 10. And I mean, maybe, you know, she, Susan, wanted to, like, get out of that. And she was yeah. like, I'm not down with this. Uh-uh. And they're like, well... We gotta Your get next rid of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of weird. It is kind of weird, and it seems like maybe like because you can't find the children, but you find her. She just shows up, and she's yeah. you know beaten and bruised and dead. And now I'm well aware that satanic stuff is often quite misunderstood. I don't want to get you know anybody confused no, on that. No, no, no. I participate in occult stuff. Yes. Um, yes. Classifying myself as a pagan Wiccan, so I don't want it's, anybody thinking no. there's any judgments being made. I am legit reading what I have been learnt from <laughs> <laughs> the interwebs. Yes, so yes. This is what the the teachers and staff had said. They said that they thought they were participating in a quote satanic cult. So that was like. A that was a big, big thing, thing in the time. time. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of people, it was pre-Satanic Panic, I think, and that was well, kind of when they like, took it a little too, with like... With Manson's and Helter Skelter. That and, was 69, yeah. yeah like, it's so all just been... After that, it was like... And no, like, you can be a practicing sa- Satanist. Satanist, yeah, the Satanic and Bible actually... It's peaceful, it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's not and, what and people it's not, think it is. No, not just like... That's Wiccan different. And, and paganism, it's completely Luciferian you know, might be different, but because there's Satanism and then there's Luciferianism. Yes, yeah, so you can. And there's there's always difference. things that you can so, take. Yeah, extremely extreme. Yeah. yeah, there's always going to be people who take any religion to the extreme, mm-hmm. as we've seen with the Crusades and every other freaking and cults war. And Think cults. about them cults. People yeah. just deem themselves prophets. Yeah. Okay. So. The investigators began looking into Susan's financials again and found that weeks prior to her death, she would withdraw the amount of 25 grand, telling the bankers she was planning on investing, and the accounts would all be taking care of her future husband. I did air quotes, by the way, (laughs) you guys, on investing and, quote, future husband, Bradfield. (laughs) Apparently, he was convincing her, this poor gullible woman, I feel so bad for her, was convincing her to buy stocks and bonds from him that were actually fake, pocketing the money, saying that it would help them with their wedding in the next year and maybe even move to England together. This guy, oh my god! Promise upon promise upon promise. That he never intended to follow through on. Robbing her. Robbing her blind. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, Susan's ex-husband and brother, they were not having any of this. Good. And not giving up on finding on what happened to Susan and the missing money. Bradfield was called to testify and answered no questions, but diverted them to his lawyers, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now, I guess Bradfield's apartment had surrounding areas that were, like, wooded. So they had, like, foresty areas around the apartments. Okay. And those were searched before he was called in and nothing was found. They were searching for these kids, like I yeah. said. So when Bradfield was called to testify again, this time he denied ever even having a real relationship with Susan at all. Are you joking? Yeah. Like, wow. I never had relations with that Because we're woman. stupid. Yeah. Yep, we're just crazy, crazy women. Um, and that she had an affair. This is what Bradfield's saying. Now he's accusing Susan of having an affair with the former principal, Mr. Smith, and uh, also denied having anything to do with the funds that were missing. So now he's pinning it, basically, like trying to steer it towards in a different direction. Smith. Yeah. And like. Bringing down her character, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Garbage. Mm-hmm. Even though he is the Lothario. Lothario, yeah. Yeah. Classically Self- described as one. Self-proclaimed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everything he said was obviously deflection and false as Susan, well, she did give him money in exchange for stocks and bonds. Yeah. Um, as we know. So that would be why... He was deflecting. <laughs> and shit was false. I was going to say something else, but I don't want to give anything away. Okay, okay. Her family members have known of William's handing, handling of her money for some time now. Hmm. He even called her a troubled friend when asked why she would have named him in her will for one million of inheritance. Yeah, because that right there is like, and it, it, it changed. She yeah. changed it. Yeah. Yeah, no. Nobody just does that. That's sus. Delusionally. That like. is so sus. So, throughout the next coming years, Bradfield would be arrested for the theft of the 25 grand, released on bail, and then convicted and sent to prison. So, while he was waiting for his court, then he was released on bail while waiting, and then they he was convicted and sent to prison. Yeah. Well, at least there's a little bit of justice somewhere. Yes, but just for the money so far. Mm-hmm. Also, throughout the coming years, uh, would be reports of sightings of the missing children. One said that they were, like, buried in the woods behind Bradfield's apartment complex, which was false. As I said, they did search that. Mm -hmm. And the other was that they were in the trunks of a couple submerged Lincoln Continentals. Um, Yeah, super random. Police did find the cars that were submerged. Whoa. um, But did not contain any bodies. So it's weird that somebody would even knew say, that there were cars. Yeah. So huh. this is all just fucking weird, man. And you man. have to have like who has just two Lincolns I know. that they can just be like, okay, Let's how are em. we gonna do this? Let's just sink them. That seems like a smart plan. Sinking the Lincolns. <laughs> <laughs> Sinking the Lincolns. <laughs> so, like I said, this case is just fucking bizarre. It bizarre. goes everywhere. <laughs> it's like if I was a cop on this case, I'd just be like, oh. God. I bet they're still cops. Drive me to drink. So, the children were still missing. Mm -hmm. After the case going pretty cold for about four years, Mm. an inmate who was doing time along with Bradfield for his drug charges 
for, for I'm sorry for the uh, the money. The money. Yep. Stated that Bradfield confessed the murder of Susan and her two children during a chess match. Huh. That Bradfield had once told him that quote if he hadn't needed money nothing would have happened to Susan. Also that his plan wasn't meant for the kids, but when the plant went plan went awry and he was quote present when it happened to them. So he doesn't say what happened and who them are and who did what to them. Yeah. He just says if I hadn't needed the money, nothing would have happened to Susan and I was present when it happened to them. So maybe like she wasn't supposed to have the kids when she went and he was just supposed to kind of take you know Yeah do the thing to Susan and oh gosh. And then the kids were supposed to just be with dad. Yeah, maybe. Huh. Well that's fucking tragic, man. I know. It's absolutely awful. Don't kill anybody. Like this this plot and then It was definitely a oh. plot, you can tell. And I think that him and Smith were like plotting together. I think so too. Because that's they're what I they're in cahoots. Yeah. And maybe she did have an affair with Smith because there is a pe- another piece of evidence they do find. Okay. But, you know, like I said, this is the 70s, okay? You got to remember, there's like free love. Her boyfriend is orgying around with everybody. The 70s You know, so crazy. anyway. The police came in and he was arrested for murder from being in prison mm-hmm. on April 6th of 1983. Because of Bradfield saying that he was present when the kids were killed, this led mm-hmm. them to again look into where he was and what he was doing the weekend that his kids went missing. Or the mm-hmm. kids went, sorry, not his kids, but the kids went missing and Susan was killed. Mm-hmm. They found several other girls on the side. One of them would end up being his accomplice in the theft of the twenty-five grand. I knew he wasn't working alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just got people helping him with everything. With everything. How? How they, is this guy so charming? Just he looks evolve. like I know, a, like a dumpster. I know. What? <laughs> I, don't I couldn't know. even think of a good word because he's like disheveled, and he just—I guess in the lower picture, his hair is kind of combed to the side, but still, he's just like, how is this guy? He looks like a creepy cult dude. He uh, legit does, you know, and like, like there are some people, and it's like, all right, I'll give you twenty-five thousand. You know, but, like, I would not Not give this this guy... guy. Not William Bradfield. How did he schmooze so many people? It's crazy to me. From the accounts and timelines from those other women, Bradfield went to visit them that fateful Friday and left much before he originally told the investigators. There were several unaccounted for hours that Friday night. That's pretty much what they had found out because of these several, like, girls on the side. Mm Mm-hmm. After that, he told his friends that he was with that weekend, the male and Susan Myers, mm-hmm. um, to create and corroborate an alibi with him. Oh, my God. And that during that weekend, he expressed remorse as to what was going to happen to Susan. It's planned. Yeah. Yeah. Totally planned. Premeditated as fuck. Uh-huh. Eventually, with his arrest for theft, he began to question the loyalty of his friends and started physically threatening all of them, even his mistresses. Oh, my God. So this guy is so toxic that he just turns, flips everything on everybody. He's a narcissist. When Mm -hmm. it starts cracking, he's going to get mad and he's going to, you know, this is ridiculous. Well, this led every single one of them to testify against him and even work with investigators on trying to solve the crime. Good. The trial was difficult with a lack of physical Mm -hmm. evidence. It was based mainly on witness testimonies. Prosecutors asked that if the man was found guilty, that he would receive the death penalty for the murder of Susan and her children. They're con- they're just considering the children yeah. dead. 
Yeah, I mean, it's um, hard without, you know, the physical bodies, yeah. but... They just, and nobody has seen them. They're and they gone. still haven't, I mean, in 2020, they still have not. Nobody has even reported sightings of them. Oh, so these they're little gone. babies. Yeah. All his friends who were to testify against him put the blame of the murder. So while they're testifying against Bradfield, mm-hmm. they're putting the blame on Jay Smith. Yeah, yeah. Saying that they heard from Bradfield that <laughs> Susan and Smith had a relationship years ago. And that's probably what caused this. Mm hmm. In the beginning of the end, Bradfield was charged with the conspiracy to murder all three people and was sentenced to carry out three consecutive life sentences for each murder. Okay. But the case was not yet closed. They still had to find out who the unknown co-conspirator was. So let's go back to the blue comb. Mm-hmm. Damn blue comb. Yeah. With the embossed Which emblem. has no reason being in her car. There's nothing else in her car. Everything else is gone but that comb. And so, it's probably like a fell out of the pocket type of thing. Mm-hmm. Now that they're, they're put that together, okay, now they know all this information that Susan might have had a relationship with him, mm-hmm. they go back to search the home again, looking for things that are more related to this crime now, yeah. rather than the theft and the drugs. And I mean, it sounded like when they went in there, there was just a shit ton that they were like, what the fuck? Whoa, yeah. we have so much on this guy that they're not looking at the little tiny details. Yeah, and like I said, then it wasn't even for, they weren't searching the house true, for a murder. True. They no, were searching they were just for theft for and drugs. Burglary and all that mm-hmm. twisted I shit. Throughout this whole episode, Episode, you guys i have been hitting this table that we record on <laughs> sitting too close <clears throat> so after searching smith's home again they were able to match fibers from a carpet in his home to like susan's hair follicles so it was like somehow maybe there was part of her her i don't really know how it works but okay. there was something on the fiber of the carpet that they were able to match from the DNA of her hair follicles. So, so like she was laying a there, fluid, for... or maybe a hair of hers, literally, yeah. literally, or yeah, like she was laying on the floor. Which brings us back to the affair. Yeah, maybe the reason why the comb was there. Maybe he's completely innocent in her murder. Maybe they were mm-hmm. having an affair, and it was like a gift. They were there. Yeah, maybe he or gave something. it to her yeah. or something. Super weird. You know, some people just need a comb. But that was the only thing they could connect to him was the comb and that one little fire-ish. Yeah, Yeah, on the carpet. carpet. So frustrating. (laughs) That's like the only other physical evidence they found besides the comb and besides that half a fingerprint that did nothing for them. Yeah, half a fingerprint is hard to... Do anything with now. Yeah. Yeah. So at this time... Smith is still in prison for his drugs and his theft, I believe, a decade later. Damn. And he is busy trying to appeal his sentencing. Ugh, of course. Yes. After investigators... Which, if he didn't kill her, he's still fucking garbage. I know. You know, he's robbing from people. He's... Uh-huh. He's still garbage. Yeah. Don't let him principal your school. No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> After investigators asked for a sample of his handwriting to compare to some of the other documents they had in a case so far... They mm-hmm. found it to be a match. Mm-hmm. It's so hard because you have to have a certain amount of, like, matches. Yeah. Well, now they had, according to them, the matching carpet and hair fibers, the blue comb, and they had the matching handwriting. Because of that, he was found guilty of first-degree murder, though they found nothing of... They didn't decide to look for, like, duct tape or, you know, anything like that. It's like... Wouldn't they have tried to look for duct tape or something yeah. that might have 
I don't know. Check his body for bruises or... I don't know. Because he was beating... Whoever did this hurt her. And they duct taped her. And they chained her in the car. Yeah. Does the chain somehow not have fingerprints? But yet they found a half a fingerprint elsewhere? Yeah. So, like, what the F? I wonder if they bungled it. I don't know. I know. You know, maybe Well, this gets even weirder. Oh, my God. This case, it just pisses me off. How? How is this still going? Exactly. So... Okay, so he was found guilty of first-degree murder. He had confessed to it. Fe- so he did to a fellow inmate. But you know how some yeah, you people are talk. when you go to prison? You want to b- make yourself seem Tough. like tougher than what yes. you are. I'm not no And he's bitch. involved in this case. Mm-hmm. So he's confessed to a fellow inmate that he, quote, killed that bitch. But mm-hmm. that's all he said. Because they were probably like, oh, yeah, you're just down for the money. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. So in 1987, he was officially officially sentenced to death via the electric chair. It wasn't like his time to die, but he received his sentencing for the okay. death penalty. During his time in prison, of course, he kept trying to appeal his case, claiming that he'd been set up by Bradfield and by Bradfield putting Smith's comb in Susan's car. Hmm. I can't say that that's not possibly true. I feel like this guy's pulling out and not having any friends yeah. hurt him. I because think so, Bradfield too. had so many people who did turn on yeah. him, but even after we're still like, no, it was Smith, it was Smith, it was Smith. Yeah. I'm still 50-50 on the fact that they both worked together to do yeah. it. But then also... Smith like, might not have... He might not have done anything because if yeah. they were having a having a relationship, those things might make sense. It's true. It you is know? very so true. So it's hard. It's really hard to say. Oh, it's hard to say. So, um, however, it was found. Okay, Ugh, this part pisses me off. Oh no. Okay, I'm, I'm. It was found out that a state trooper who was working on Susan's case for the prosecution, uh huh, was paid fifty grand by the author Joseph Wamba. To disclose information to him about the case for the book. Hmm. And that was super prohibitive. Yeah. You cannot talk about an active case like that. And he was paid 50 grand to do it. Hmm. So it was also prohibited for the trooper to be receiving money from an unapproved source. So it wasn't like it was like some donation. Like he was just paid off under the the radar to do this. Oh my gosh. Holes were discovered in the prosecution's case and the courts decided to revisit they did find that the same trooper that was paid the money was withholding evidence from the defense. Mm, okay. And Smith was allowed to re- to seek a new trial. And that's fair. Yeah. That is fair. Yeah. I mean, if, if you bungle a trial or you... You can't be doing shady shit. stuff no. from record, like, don't do that shit in the first mm-hmm. place. But then they have a right to get a new trial. Mm-hmm. It was in winter of 1989, December to be exact, that the PA Supreme Court ruled in Smith's favor and allowed him his new trial and abandoning his current sentence of the death penalty. Okay. There, these are the reasons for the ruling. The witness testimony wasn't convincing, as many of them were Bradfield's friends. Mm-hmm. They could have been trying to save Bradfield. The prosecutor and the deputy attorney general of PA at the time confessed that so this is the prosecutor and, so he's also the prosecutor, but he's also the deputy attorney general of PA. Okay. Confessed that he was using and high on, at the time on cocaine <gasps> at the time of charging Smith uh, with his charges. Dude, the 80s was all cocaine. That is crazy. Yep. 
So poor Susan, her whole everybody trying the her prosecution mm-hmm. was just a load of shady fucking assholes mm-hmm. that just fucked her case all up. Mm-hmm. So in 1990, Smith's lawyers were working to clear his name and prove his innocence, rendering him a free man. During this time, Smith waived his rights to a speedy trial and agreed to remain in prison until the investigation was concluded and thoroughly. The investigation carried on for more than two years, bringing us now into 1992. Hey! In a 1992 trial, they found again that witness testimonies were only hearsay. The prosecution did nothing to further prove their case, so they didn't get any new evidence Mm -mm. for the prosecution. And... That evidence that the trooper withheld from the defense, it was found in the trooper's attic. So he legit now keeps, he's got the evidence in his home, in his person. Wow. That is a gross misuse. Absolutely. And because of that, the courts ultimately ruled in Smith's favor. Okay. No murder charges, no retrials. Jay Smith was now a free man and he lived until he died as such. And he almost got the death penalty. Yeah, he literally was on death penalty for something that he may not have done because the trial was literally shit. Yeah, you never know like what's going on with trials. You Mm -hmm. you would hope to God that these people who are supposed to protect and serve are are doing their job the proper way. But Mm -hmm. you know, our our defense system is just crazy. I mean, if you think about defense lawyers. They're there to literally make sure a guilty person yeah. gets free. No matter what. No matter if they really did kill somebody. Mm-hmm. So you got maybe plenty of murderers running around, mm-hmm. but defense attorneys get them mm-hmm. off. Or you have prosecutors who put away men and women innocent that are innocent, yep. and they're there 25 that's, plus. That's the hard thing about the death penalty, because once you're dead, you can't appeal. Oh, yeah. You can't appeal. Although, in those cut and dry cases, I'm yes. sorry, the death penalty is just like... I agree. And especially just, if it involves children or if it's a continued repeat, 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 repeat. It's like, ugh, you don't deserve to breathe. <laughs> like, all the other people, you took away their breath. You do not deserve yeah. this. But have the like, evidence. Don't bumble yes. the damn trial. It's got to be, know? like, cut and fucking yes. dry for yes. me. Like, Same. blatantly obvious. Same Z's. So, Jay Smith did pass away in 2009 from what seems like heart problems. Um, I never found a cause of death, but I think it was heart disease, and he was 80. So, he was able to live the rest of his life until he was, like, 80. As a free man. Yeah, as a free man. Maybe carrying crazy shit to his grave. You never know. He could have been carrying some crazy secrets. I feel like he probably knew more than he let on. I definitely agree. Yeah. He either participated or just knows exactly what happened yeah because he knows bradfield yeah really well so william bradfield ended up dying in prison on january 16th in 1998 of heart failure he was was 64 yeah he's Mm -hmm. young there was a photo found in his prison cell of some sort of rock which i think i do have in the document that looks like it's a marker of some sort and there's been speculation that that's where he's buried Susan's kids, Karen and Michael. Huh. Problem is that no one knows where that photo was even taken, taken. So they can't go and, like, dig up the potential grave to find out for sure. Which is super angering. Because he yeah. could have, I mean, that could have been it. Do so. it on your deathbed. Yeah. You know, like, if exactly. you know that you're dying and you have this one secret, you aren't going to get in trouble for mm-hmm. it. You might actually, if you believe in heaven, make your amends and go oh, to no. heaven. But, yeah. like... 
Just write a little note where it is, the coordinates, whatever you have to do. Or just put it on the do. back of the picture. Exactly. Nobody ever found it until he was even dead. It's like, so like tell really, somebody. Write it on the back of the picture. Be Last like, breath. Grave. Do something. Yeah. <sighs> Fucking shit bag. He's a mm-hmm. shit bag. Shit bag. Fucking shit bag William Bradfield. Mm-hmm. Don't R.I.P. <laughs> um, so, though Karen and Michael's bodies were never found, they were pronounced dead officially in 1987. Mm-hmm. Their father, Kenneth Raynard, passed away in 2002, so he lived to be a, an old man. Yeah. But he never really got closure on his ex-wife's death or, or his children's, children's whereabouts. Um, whereabouts or what their demise might have been. No one truly knows a single thing, honestly, with this case, to be honest. They know that Susan's dead, mm-hmm. and they know that two people might have been involved. Yeah, because you don't all, know anything else. It's all very circumstantial. You, like it's yes, yeah, you hard. literally don't know even how she died. Like you I am surprised if, that William went to prison yeah. for the rest of his life. Like I'm surprised. Yeah, because that must have been a really hard case to try. Absolutely. I mean, for it, the jury, it's unnerving the things these men took to their graves. I mean, mm-hmm. who was the one who really beat and murdered Susan? Who mm-hmm. did that? Mm-hmm. Who put her in the trunk? Where in the world did the kids go, and what happened to them? Um, I bet you there's one of those English teachers who knows exactly what happened, too. They were I all bet. way too close. Yeah, way it too was just close. a super weird culty thing. So if you know? one of them is still alive, they may know. And what happened to Jay Smith's kids? Yeah. Where did they go? And they just that was just ended. And like, that was, was just, just a year before Susan and the kids mm-hmm. died. So mm-hmm. it almost, like we come back to that ritualistic thing yeah it's like a year it has passed before two two of one of their members children has gone Mm -hmm. and now you have another year Mm -hmm. and it's like would that ritual i want and i'm curious to know if it would have kept going maybe because her kids weren't the target the first time it was kind of hunky-dory and then she was like oh shit no i'm not down with this anymore yeah who knows? Who knows? Of course, speculation at its finest, but still, you have it's, to ask the questions because this case is bonkers. It's bonkers and upsetting because there's just mm-hmm. no closure to any aspect. It's like you just have, like, a spider weaves a web, but you usually have, like, a string connecting all the edge pieces, but yeah. no, it's just like they're left playing yes. in the wind. Yes, like, all them loose ends are just not yeah. tied up, and yep. that drives me nuts. No clue. Man. So, there's so many unanswered questions, no answers to any of them. Hopefully, someday we'll find out what happened to Karen and Michael. I don't know how. Um, hopefully, one day we'll know the truth about Susan. Mm-hmm. But if you're interested in looking into the books or even into the... Um, it, they said movie, and then they also said made for uh, a miniseries. So it was either a made-for-TV movie or it was a miniseries. Don't know they're which one. a little bit the same ish. I know. I feel like they're on the same level, but I'll tell you the list of those. There's the Echoes. Sorry. There's Echoes in the Darkness by Joseph Wambaugh, as we heard, the guy who kind of screwed the case. Thanks, Joe. I don't know if you're still around. Screwed the pooch there, bud. The pooch. Engaged to Murder by Loretta Schwartz Noble. Joseph Wambaugh and the J. Smith case, which was actually written by J.C. Smith. And Principal oh. Suspect. The True Story of J.C. Smith and the Mainline Murders by William C. Kostopoulos, which sounds pretty interesting, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I know that was a really long one, but damn, what a twisted it web of lies. It had to be. And it had to be. Like, 
I just can't get over any of that. Um, I got chills like a good five or six times in that episode. <coughs> like it was just it's the bombshells that just kept dropping and dropping and dropping yeah. and dropping. And it's like holy fuck! All the different <laughs> directions you're going in, uh-huh. all the new people. Like I, and- I made a joke to her before we started. Like, should I take notes because she said like it's just this weave of of different people and different parts and different things, and you don't you don't know. You have a dead body. No children. The children are just poof, gone. No evidence. Not and even she was acting strange a few days before. Yeah. Yeah, like, what was that about? Was she... Did she know? Did she kind of... Was, did they? Did she know that she was going to be participating in a ritual? Maybe. I don't know. The ritual thing keeps coming mm-hmm. up because this all is just super strange. Yeah. And the fact of the two sets of the boy and the girl going missing, I don't yeah. care the age, mm-hmm. but they were still a, a member of their group. I'm not going to say they're a cult or whatever, their, their, their group, somehow both of their children are yeah. gone yeah. without a trace. It's just mm-hmm. so, so freaking weird. Such odd, strange And things. then they couldn't continue doing it because Smith gets kicked out of the school for his guns and... Bestiality. <laughs> and then you have William who flies across the country. Like, yeah. Done, you know? Yeah. But yet he still has all those people just following him. I know. Good lord. Well, stay tuned for next week, y'all. Yeah. It, uh, it's gonna oh, be, um... That one's not fun either, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be another true crime. Sorry. And it's, it's pretty, what the fuck. Yeah. But I promise, the one after that will be a haunted one. Yes. So, <laughs> but still, for all you true crime lovers, this was, you had a true crime last time, you got a true crime this time, and you'll get a true crime next time. We got you, Kevin. Like I said in the beginning, we are, um going to be on YouTube soon, so I will be able to say follow us there as well soon, but mm-hmm. not quite, because uh, of reasons. So anyways, <laughs> where you can follow us on our socials, you can follow us on Facebook at More Than Murder. You can follow us on Twitter at More Than Underscore Murder. And you can follow us on Insta at More Than Murder Pod. And if you have any stories you particularly want to hear, or simply just want to say hi, because... Please say hi. We have been waiting for someone just to say hi in that email. (laughs) You can email us at morethanmurderpod at gmail.com. Yes, you can. So, hope you all have a happy Friday. Uh, Listen to some other podcast to cheer you up now. (laughs) And uh, we'll Uh, see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, this is Noelle, and I just realized that half the time I said William Bradfield's name, I said William Bradford. Duh. His name is William Bradfield. Apologize. Have a good night. Bye.